everybody, this is another Novus podcast for you, and welcome to the very lovely Kirsty. How are you, love? I am fine, thanks. A little yeah. bit nervous about this. First ever podcast, you know. Don't, but... <laughs> don't be nervous. I've had a few practices, and it's all right once you get going. I always believed that I wanted just to have a conversation with people, and I thought, well, everybody's podcasting. Let's <laughs> let's do a Novus one, but let's let's bring the conversation alive. So, Kirst, for those that don't know you, can you introduce yourself in my best silly voice? Tell us where you're from and tell us what you do. So, um, yes, I'm Kirsty Collin. Um, I'm from Wigan originally, although I don't seem to have the uh, broad Wigan accent. So uh, <laughs> that might, that's uh, a lucky thing. Um, so I'm currently uh, living in Newton-the-Willows, which is a few miles away from Wigan. So I'm still close to home. Um, and I work for Mace, uh, which Chris obviously used to work for. Yes. Um and I've been here for 16 years this year. So, really? uh, hard, wow. I believe. Yeah. So, um, I had a, a number of different roles within May. So, not doing the same role. I do have a bit more ambition than that. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I'm currently head of customer satisfaction. So, I basically go and interview our clients, our strategic clients, so the important ones to Mace. Um, and make sure that we're basically doing what we're meant to and they're getting the service that they're paying for. So, um, yes, that's what I do at the moment. It's really lovely to see you, albeit virtually. The opportunity for Kirsty to come and do a podcast with us was to give her her own voice. So I just want to offer out a trigger warning, guys, as although you can't see me, I do have a tissue in my pocket just in case, <laughs> because... Kirsty is going to have a bit of a chat with us now about some sensitive matters, but please keep listening as it's going to be really valuable to everybody. So, Kirsty, 2020 into 21, how's yeah. it been? Um, yeah. Deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath. I didn't bring the tissues. I probably should have done. <laughs> Oh, good grief. Um, Yeah, so, um, gosh, probably before 2020 as well, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, so I'll just get it out there. Um, January the 28th, 2020, um, my life changed forever um, when my partner and the love of my life um, ended his life. Um, So, yes. Uh, that was that was January 2020, just before the pandemic. Um, and and as you quite rightly said, you wanted to kind of give me a voice um, because since that day and for most of 2020, um, even consumed in grief, um, I wanted to kind of try and turn this into a positive in some way um, and just to make sure that Ben's life wasn't um, didn't end in vain. Um, and one of the things that Ben said after in a, uh, sorry, I should go back here. He um, he ended his life in Hamburg in Germany. Um, he went missing for a few days beforehand. Um, and yeah, once he'd um, gone through with it, a diary was delivered back to me, which turned up um, on Valentine's Day, which was like bad timing, really. <laughs> Uh, kind of getting the DHL delivery on Valentine's Day and and yeah and it was it was Ben's belongings and um his diary um which he did because he knew that I'd kind of want the answers and I in order for me to get peace I'd kind of need to know what he was thinking beforehand because this wasn't his first attempt at suicide it had happened previously um and yeah and in that that diary was um, the days leading up to it because he was missing for I think it was three days before and um, one of the things that he'd put in there was that he wanted there to be more help for people with mental health issues because like I said previous to 2020 um, we we tried to do everything that we could to get Ben the help that he needed um, and that wasn't without um, you know some kind of doors being closed on us because Ben was um, you know, he's a big guy, um, used to work on the doors um, in Manchester, um, you know, had tattoos, had a sleeve, you know, he, he didn't present as the, as the kind of normal kind of person with mental health issues, if you like. And 
um, you know, there, there were times when, when he'd attempted suicide and, you know, he did get nurses and people when we went into the hospital who were kind of questioned whether he really had, you know, he'd taken pills one time and they were like, well, if you really wanted to kind of do it, you would have taken more. And, and you know, oh, oh there's, there's all these, I mean, that's a whole different podcast that I could go on <laughs> forever um, about the kind of, you know, the reaction to people, the bias, the kind of, you know, people not believing. Um, and yeah, and it, it was tough and it was an eye opener for me because I remember the day when um, I said to him we would get him the help he needed and, you know, I vowed that I would be by his side and we would do it together. And I was a bit green around the gills then and, and didn't really understand how hard it was to get the help that you needed. Um, you know, the NHS was buckling then and more so now, obviously, with the pandemic as well. Um, but it is really hard to penetrate those services and to get the help that um, that you need. Um, you know, lucky for Ben, he had me on his side as a, a feisty Wiganer and, um, you know, he wanted to get the best that I could for him. Um, and, you know, I did fight to get him what he needed. And um, But unfortunately, um, you know, the kind of end outcome wasn't what we wanted. But, um, but yeah, but that's where we are. So he... Um, he in his diary said he wanted there to be more help for people with mental health which are issues which i've just said um but the other thing in there was that he wrote that for the days when he was traveling from manchester to um hamburg so he went via amsterdam and um he was crying and was visibly upset and not one person asked him if he was okay um and he was out in, in public you know he was kind of hopping from one place to another um he knew that i would be hot on his on his tails you know trying to to find where he was um because we, like i said we had been through this before we had gone missing before and had gone up to ben nevis um and we kind of like laughed about that afterwards when um he said to me um you know was i so good at trying to find where he was because of my competitive streak and I didn't want him you know and I saw it as a, I was competing against him to find him or whether I actually did want to find him well obviously it was that was yes. the latter but my competitive streak did um you know and I, I also laughed as well that we always watch that program um what's that program when they go um when they race across the road yeah 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 when they're on the run yeah and I, I did say to him at one point which you know probably shouldn't laugh about now but I did say to him, you know, we've watched all them programmes and you still couldn't escape my clutches uh, getting up to Scotland. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but but that's another thing as well. I mean, you know, people might find that weird that we kind of spoke about that and kind of can laugh about things like that. Um, but, you know, the communication that I had with Ben was, was amazing. And, you know, he did suffer with PTSD and depression. Um, and you know i've done a blog um and you know people can I'm more than happy to point them in that in that direction but it only made up 10 percent of our relationship you know you, we look back at our photos and our memories and what we did and we had the most amazing relationship um you know we we lived we loved um and we just had the best time and an amazing relationship and we kept the lines of communication open which is so important you know we had to have those awkward conversations sometimes like you know if I saw that he was he was low or feeling bad you know I would actually ask that question are you feeling suicidal which is the one of the hardest things to kind of ask and especially when the answer is yes um you know but you don't judge you know you've heard a lot of things in the in the news lately where you know especially with Meghan Markle like you know doubting whether it's true um, you know who who can do that who can say what's going on in yeah. someone's head who has the right to say that they're attention seeking or you know it, it's just not right if it was a broken arm you could see it. you wouldn't be questioning if they were wearing a plaster cast and there wasn't really a broken arm under there so you know it's I get that it's difficult I get that the conversations can be difficult but you know you, you don't have to be an expert in mental health I'm not you know I, I am from my experiences but I'm, I'm you know I was kind of working my way through it but it's just listening just not judging you know you don't have to have all the answers just give someone that outlet to speak and to say what they're thinking and what they're feeling so did and you, don't judge sorry Cassie. so did you have to change your own behavior in those moments 
Um, I think so, yeah. Um, you've got to kind of put your own feelings aside. And, you know, I'm lucky that I had or have a good support network around me. And, you know, I was able to kind of lean on them um, on times that I was struggling with it. And, you know, you almost have to kind of, yeah, you just have to put yourself second and, and put them first. And But he, he kind of got that as well and, and recognised that. And, you know, on the times that he was feeling better, um, you know, he would do what he, he could to kind of, you know, make me feel good and make sure that I'm OK. So it was it was definitely a two way street. If I'm honest, I think the reason that Ben went in the end, um, we were we were ridiculously happy. And it sounds silly saying that when someone's committed suicide and, you know, it's um, but we were we were really, really happy. And. At that time, my dad was really poorly and um, he had a psychotic breakdown um, in the November, which was awful. Um, you know, he was hearing voices in his head. He got sectioned. Um, it was almost like my dad was living his worst nightmares and his biggest dreams because he thought he'd won £80 million pounds on Bitcoin. And I didn't even know it was possible. Um, but then at the same time, um, I would get calls from the hospital with my dad screaming in the background, thinking that I died in a fire. And, you know, it was it, it was very it was a really, really, really difficult time. And I never thought that my dad would get out of hospital. Um, he is. He, he came out the day after Ben died. Um, and he's not the same person that he was before. He's, he's you know, and I'm, I'm pretty much his carer now as well. So, um, so yeah, so. I think what happened with Ben at that point is uh, as people with depression and PTSD and mental health issues can probably relate is that you feel like a burden to people um, and you think that your problems kind of bring people down and and all this and the other which is completely untrue Um, you know I would and you know supported Ben and would have been there you know there was one point I remember when I was going to hospital to visit my dad and Ben was a little bit down and um, I was stood on the doorstep and I said to him, I said, listen, just because of everything that's going on with my dad at the moment, don't think that means I've taken my eye off you and you can't speak to me. And, you know, I'm still here for you. I am that superwoman that I can be there for everybody, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, yeah, I remember that conversation really clearly because I just wanted to let him know that, he, you know, with me being distracted a little bit with my dad, that I didn't kind of take my eye off him. But, you know, the, the, the stress of my dad and it did take its toll on me. Um, and in Ben's mind, I think he felt if he took himself out of the picture, it was one less burden um, for me, which is completely untrue. Um, but that's, I think, the mindset that he was going, around, uh, going yeah. down at that point. Yeah. And also, you know, he, we, were, we were so happy. And I think, or I know, because he, he kind of said it to me at times, it was even with the happiness that we had and the life that we had, it still didn't silence those demons that he was working so hard. And he put so much effort into therapy. He had psychotherapy. He had EMDR therapy. Um, he tried and did everything. Um, and, you know, it was always effort from him to kind of to do that. And I think he was just he was dog tired and weary and felt like that was the only option. So. So, yeah. So. So for me, you know, my kind of mission now um, in trying to make something good from this is to kind of to speak the truth and, you know, kind of bring some realness to um, the situation to help people to to kind of speak up and to help them realise that there is a, another way. And a lot of the time when they're thinking things like they're a burden and, and people are sick of them, that's not actually true. Um, and there is hope and there's definitely another way. You've certainly worn the stripes of yes. that, without yeah. a doubt. You've got the battle scars for sure. Do you think, and I apologise if it's inappropriate to say, do you think that perhaps he saw your dad as a point in his life where he didn't want to be at? Um, oh, that's an interesting question, that. I don't um, I don't think I've thought of that before. I, I don't think that, I don't think he would have thought that far down and would have, would have thought that. But 
I think it I think it comes back to that burden piece again. I think, you know, he he kind of loved me so much and wanted me to have this life and, and you know, and, and this happiness and things like that, which I, I had with him. But I think he, for him, keeping that up and, try, you know, constantly having to kind of work hard. I know that he woke up every single day and it was a battle every yeah. single day. And I, I get that. And he did and he kept on doing it. You know, I often say I, I couldn't have walked for 10 minutes in his shoes no way um and the fact that he did it for all these years you know just makes me proud yeah definitely. um you know I've, I've got to be careful here with, with with talk of suicide and me kind of saying that I understand why he did it because I don't condone suicide um you know I don't think it's, it's the answer yeah but in Ben's case I I understand why and you know I and that's that's kind of made it easier for me to deal with um and to keep on going as well as, as my two children um but having that kind of understanding has, has definitely helped me um kind of power through the last year and and don't get me wrong people you know I, I kind of started doing my blogs um very early on I think after Ben left um and people see me as this super strong person you know that's kind of smashed it through 2020 um there's days when I've not um there's been weeks when I've not um you know I, I can speak about recently like the anniversary um on the 28th of January this year obviously the first year um it floored me um there's no other way to to put it really um I, I kind of kept on waiting for this to happen because then I, I, someone said to me it's almost like I did grief the wrong way around and I know there's no kind of linear way with grief it, you know it, there's it goes back and forth and round and round and ties you in knots at any given point but it was what she said really re- resonated with me in terms of I almost had acceptance and compassion at the very beginning um, and then it's kind of gone round the other way where things like anger and things which I'll be honest I tried to stop the anger um and I've, I've given into it now a little bit but I didn't want to be angry at Ben um and I tried to suppress that and and that's what came out and bit me on the bum because you know it got to the point where um I think it was just a couple of days before the anniversary and it kind of hit me you know why why did you leave me you know the one left behind you know I can have as much understanding as as the next person but you know you've got to let that anger out and kind of feel that because you can't you can't move forward um I found out and, and that was a big piece and it floored me and you know and that was the point when I actually asked for help and I I kind of sit here telling everybody they you know go and get help and ask for help but I'll be honest it was one of the hardest things I have ever ever done making that initial call um for help was the hardest but also the best thing I've done and you know I'm I'm going through therapy myself now um and I've got a a psychotherapist who I'm seeing and then I will be going through when lockdown eases um a trauma program um because obviously there's been a lot of things that I've gone through and I will be doing EMDR as well um which is a, a type of therapy for kind of trauma so so yeah so I'm not stood here you know saying that I'm superwoman and I've not suffered with this I, I definitely have um more so the kind of beginning of this year but yeah, yeah I've, getting I've, I think it's clear to see that you wear so many hats Kirst and you can actually hearing your story feel the level of exhaustion that Ben must have been feeling and then you've lived a do you remember Spirograph when we were kids? Yeah. That, that's <laughs> yeah. When I had someone very close to me pass away, my counsellor said to me about this that circle of pain and, and you, you draw the circle. Sometimes it's really small, sometimes it's really big. But I kind of described it as a Spirograph. You know, sometimes yeah. it would be yeah. all the way round, but then it would just go inside and then it'd be all over the place. Yeah. That's but it, great, yeah. That's but it actually analogy. looked really pretty. Yeah. It was something <laughs> you could... Your grief is something that you needed to own. It's yeah. grief is that word that everybody uses and we can stick the label on. And I think especially with Ben, you know, he wore that label of of exhaustion for such yeah. a long time. Yeah. And other people in Ben's situation and in your own situation wear that label. 
but now you're able to change that label and that level of acceptance yeah um for you so, yeah and it and it's and it's a thing on, on one of my blog posts that i did i i did a comparison to um grief and depression uh, and ptsd and um, because you know it's it was okay me saying to ben that i understood but I didn't because I'd never been through that myself. And it's very hard to kind of put yourself in into someone's shoes who are saying that they're feeling this way. And, you know, I've never felt suicidal, so I couldn't relate to, to the way he was feeling. But then, um, you know, fast forward to grief um, and those same feelings that um, Ben had, I now have, you know, um, I feel like a burden um with my grief because you kind of people move on and carry on with their lives which is one of the hardest parts of grief when you know you've got that initial kind of everyone comes around you and is kind of there for you and then everyone just fades away and goes back onto their life and you're left with this you know the grief if you like and, and the pain and the suffering yeah. and you know there's times when I've felt you know I've been in absolute tears and I've had my phone in my hands and I've remembered everyone that said, ring me, ring me if you're ever feeling like that. And I've not been able to dial the number, not to my mum, not to my closest friends, not been able to do it because you're literally thinking things like, they don't want to listen to me crying my eyes out on a Sunday morning, you know. And also for me, it, it almost feels like, well, no one can do anything because it's such a personal pain yeah. that no one can kind of understand or get and no one can fix it for you. No one can change it. Um, so it almost feels like what's the point in, yeah. in me ringing someone and then just burdening someone else with, with my kind of sorrow at the, at the time. Um, but, you know, that there's a, n- a number of things, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't care about anything. Um, you know, I didn't, apart from my children, you know, and at times, you know, it was, it was so difficult. And, you know, so I get that, you know, when people say with the black dog and dragging that cloud around, I kind of understood that, you know, I didn't want to ask for help, as I've just said, there, there's so many similarities between grief and depression and feeling that low way. Um, so now that I have gone through that, I do feel like I'm better versed to kind of understand, you know, what Ben was going through, what people with depression and things like that have. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I want to do the most off the back of this is I feel like I've gone through everything that I've gone through and, and that's with Ben, that's with my dad, you know, there's issues with my brother as well um, when I was younger. And I almost feel like I've gone through all these experiences and they've been given to me and I now need to do something with them. I, it would be sacrilege if I just had all this experience and all this understanding and didn't use it for something else. And I think that's the kind of learning piece I think that people you know to to people who haven't ever dealt with anyone with mental health issues it must be so foreign to them and not having that understanding and I just feel by sharing my story and my experiences that will give them a better understanding and a bit more kind of empathy with people and to be less likely to judge and you know all that stuff you know it's, it's just making sure that people are okay and giving them the opportunity to to speak and say what they're thinking and feeling I think what what you can give back now Kirsty is so valuable it's just the kind of person that you are is that you can deliver your experience to others and sharing a story may help one other and it's, I think, in some ways, a lot of people, because we've all we've all gone through a trauma recently ourselves, you know, through the global pandemic. And for some yeah. people that have experienced what you have will relate to the last year in that similar way, where they may yeah. have had family members lose their lives or people would have lost their jobs, their careers, their businesses. It's such open yeah. wounds for them. Yeah. But... If you had a physical open wound, you would you would cover it. You would use well, that knowledge yeah. and understanding to think, I need to stop that. I need to cover it yeah. up. But I'm not just covering it up to hide it. I'm covering it up to help deal with it because I can't, yeah. I can't just leave it. And I think that's what your experience is going to do for people. In, yeah, yeah, in, definitely. In your, in your blogs, in your life experience, the way that you are on social media and you wear your heart on your sleeve 
along along with all your battle scars yeah yeah I just I just want to be real I think with my blog um you know it it was twofold for that it was cathartic for me it was it was weird really because I'm not a writer um and it just it kind of happens like the blogs when you read them um they were written literally as as they came out at that moment in time and sometimes it was like five o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep and I would type them on my phone which you know isn't that easy typing up a big long blog on your phone um and it yeah they they come from the heart um they I did them because like I said it was it was cathartic for me to get it out but also had that option to help other people and I didn't think it would be as big as it was you know the the kind of posts have had you know so many views and not only that so many responses of people who have told me that they were thinking about ending their life um that they've now decided to seek help that someone who had a friend who had depression and you know didn't realize what they were going through and they look at it from a different perspective you know it's so cliche but if just one person had, had have done that it would have been amazing for me because it would have made a difference but the amount of responses that I've had and from all walks of you know all people like I say people suffering with depression people who've been suicidal people who are supporting someone and you know that's all I wanted and you know my blog has been has been a platform to to do that um and I know that Ben would have been proud he would have known that I would have done something like this um (laughs) yeah he he totally would and I think sharing your experience and giving Ben the opportunity to share his experience means that you are actually saying to those that can't talk that it's all right to talk and whether that is someone suffering or someone trying to help someone else or some alarm bells are ringing for someone and they think actually that's that resonates with me I need to either talk to that person or talk to someone else so that I can feel like I'm helping yeah exactly and then it's not that you've got to like I said I said earlier on you don't have to try and do this all yourself and you don't have to be an expert you know it's about kind of signposting to you know certain charities and things like that there's so many so much help out there um but you know I also get that that's difficult as well like I said from my own experience of making that call for help you know it, it is it's not the easiest thing it's not just as easy as picking up the phone and saying I need help I, I get that again from my own experience I'm, I'm not kind of sitting here and saying you should ring calm or you should no, ring of my course. yeah and it, <laughs> there's there's a lot of steps before that can actually even happen yeah. isn't it and but those yeah. it's reminding yourself the amount of courage that it takes to take those steps to make yeah. that call and yeah those feelings that you have along that that ladder is perfectly okay yeah absolutely so that was that year and it's in a nutshell one to remember well the last couple of years let's say so what does the future hold well um do you give yourself that opportunity to think that way um I have started to um yeah and and again it's becoming I think because I've just come through the dark period um if we'll call it that at the beginning of this year but I have come out of of that feeling kind of renewed and optimistic um but as I've as also said as well I feel like I need to do something with the experiences that I've had um I'm just looking into becoming a boxing coach oh. um a female boxing coach so <laughs> um so yeah so um as you know um I she hits I'm, hard <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't smacked most... me yet though no 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 <laughs> yeah just to clarify yeah, um, yeah I'm I'm the most um unlikely boxer I think is is what I would say um and yeah and I I decided to do um a white collar fight for charity um back in oh, gosh I don't know it was 2006 17 or 16 yeah um you know I was the one that was constantly in training saying sorry when I hit someone you know I'm like the most unlikely boxer I'm like my my fight name was the smiling assassin you know it's it it was just unlikely so I was was very nervous getting in um, the ring for my first fight um anyway it, it lasted for 
45 seconds, I think, before the stoppage. And yeah, so and then I went on to have another fight and that was a second round stoppage. And then the third one, which was a third round stoppage. So, yes, I'm unbeaten and have a uh, title belt, which is... uh, (laughs) amazing so yeah so and and to be honest with you boxing um is is my thing to kind of mentally help me you know I absolutely love it there's nothing better than smacking um that bag and kind of getting out the aggression and and feelings and you know it's it it served me well on the run up to to Ben and after you know what happened I was at the boxing gym every single day um following his death um until lockdown happened but so yeah so again I think boxing with young people and you know you've got an opportunity to change the trajectory of some young people who kind of get into boxing and things like that so so if I can use my boxing skills and you know what I've gone through again to kind of positively impact young people's and females lives then yeah so so I'm going to go through the coaching um course and yes yeah, so that's that's going to be this year's uh, thing <laughs> well in all honesty I do remember you having your fight and but I never thought when I asked you that question that would be one of the answers but I love it <laughs> I can see you in both roles on both occasions with your boxing gloves on yeah yeah (laughs) still smiling and still smiling yep because that is definitely one thing you do well is retain your smile okay so you mentioned them before how are the kiddos Yes, yes, they're doing fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm sure as many other parents are that they're back in school, although <laughs> Easter holidays comes this week. And I'm like, they've only just got back. What do you mean they're having two and a half weeks off? <laughs> How was homeschooling? Um, yeah, it was, it was. Um, yeah, it was okay. Um, I was furloughed for um, for half of the year last year, um, so it was a lot easier when I wasn't working. Um, and but yeah, when whilst working and trying to, I mean, Isabel, my oldest, is ten. Um, she's self sufficient, and you know, just went up and got on with it. Um, Adam, seven. Um, you know, he did, he needed a little bit more kind of help and things like that. But it was difficult having the teacher caretaker dinner lady you know (laughs) yeah exactly there was a lot of hats as well as grieving and you know know, trying to look after myself and and then being locked in the house with them you know and and not having kind of my mum to rely on and, and things like that so so yeah it was tough um but yeah I think we're all we're all glad that they're they're back um in school um Isabel has been amazing throughout you know with, with what happened to Ben obviously it wasn't their dad it was their stepdad and um you know she has been an inspiration to me um and both of them don't realize how much they've carried me the last year um you know it, it's it's been unbelievable and Isabel's wisdom and her outlook you know it, it wasn't so long ago um I think it was just before the anniversary to be honest um and I checked in with her and I was like, you know, how are you feeling? It's coming up to a year. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? And, and she was like, you know what, mummy, I think about it now and I don't feel as sad. And I'm just happy that we had the time that we had with Ben and we've got all the amazing memories that we made together. And you know what? I was like, right, fair enough. You know, take that. gosh, yeah. And, and just inspired me to get to that point. You know, I, I, I am getting there. You know, I can kind of look back and and be happy of the time we had. I wish it was longer. Um, you know, we had some amazing plans. It was my fortieth last year, um, in lockdown. <laughs> and, you know, we were we we had New York and Iceland booked and Ben and I and you know, we had we had so many plans that we were kind of, you know, going to do. So so yeah, and it, and, you know, and there's a part of me as well. Even just before this call, you know, I was I was downstairs and I've got um, an Alexa with pictures that keep coming up, and you know, a picture of Ben came up, and there's still an element of me that's like, where are you? You know, it, it just doesn't door, just doesn't feel real sometimes. Yeah, and, the and door it's will go like, and yeah, yeah, come in and, and ask like, what's the tea. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just yeah, it's it's a real kind of. It plays with your mind I think a little bit and it's just sometimes it just doesn't seem real um and yeah and, and that I've just been living in a, a horrible bubble for the last yeah. year but yeah I th- but, yeah I think part of that is keeping 
his memory alive to bring that positivity into your life but because you do it so much he is still real but yeah the fact is is he he is he is still a real person what you had wasn't a dream yeah yeah or or if it was a dream it was a really really excuse my language (laughs) bloody good dream it was. You know, and, it was. And the good thing is, yeah. is that you you can close your eyes and go back to that dream whenever you want to. Yeah, and and you know what? I'm as you know from following me on social media, I take a lot of photographs and I take <laughs> a lot of videos. She does, and, guys. You know. <laughs> But it's paid off because, yeah. you know, the amount of videos I've shared of me and Ben, you know, and, and photos that we've got, which, you know, I know one of my friends, um, she said to me that we've I've inspired her to take more pictures because she realised they don't take any pictures of, you know, her and her, her husband as a family. And it's true, I'll, I'll make no apologies for all the pictures I take, you know. I, I, I dread the person when I uh, pop off this mortal coil that has to sort through all them photos <laughs> Luckily, they're not printed off like, uh, you know, retro days. But but yeah, it's it's about capturing those memories. And, you know, I'm very lucky that I have a vault of videos that I can look back on from, you know, all our travels. You know, I, I must admit, our carbon footprint wasn't great when I look back now because we were just here, there and everywhere. You know, Amsterdam, Budapest, down to London. We just, yeah, we just loved, you know, going and visiting new places and things like that. So, uh, so you're right. He just, he lives on within, within all of us and, and with me more. So, you know, I used to be a bit of a pushover. I would say before I was, I was a bit of a yes person that said yes to everyone and did everything and was everything to everybody. And I think Ben brought me that little bit of an edge, which, you know, there's times when I was doing something, he's like, well, why are you doing that? And, you know, what, and just kind of got me to take a step back and look at how I kind of you know was running myself ragged trying to be everything to everyone um and I think you know I'll I'll always have that in me now from Ben and and I'm thankful that he gave it to me especially during these times where I still want to be that everyone to everyone and I've actually realized that you know I've had to go a little bit kind of undercover for a bit and take that time for me which was difficult but I know that that's what I still need to do and and you know I'm getting a little bit better at me time and looking after me and the kids Um, but that goes without saying that doesn't looking after your kids doesn't even often need mentioning i know some parent police will be out there and say well she didn't mention their kids what they have to (laughs) it doesn't need mentioning because they're sorted yeah they are and to look at them now and because they've worn the battle scars yep they have you know they've they've not been wrapped up in cotton wool and said oh it's all right this doesn't happen yeah and and that's yeah, that's another thing as well. It's, um, you know, having to to speak to Isabel mainly, you know, Adam was a little bit of young, course, it kind of yeah. went over his head a little bit. But with Isabel, it was about having those difficult conversations again and, and just kind of, you know, asking questions that you maybe don't want to ask or, you, you know, you, you feel kind of nervous about asking. But, you know, I've, had, I've been very honest with Isabel about what happened to Ben. Um, I didn't want to hide things from her. Um, and it, I don't think it would have been right to anyway. And you know what she said to me at one point, because um, I did say to her, I said, sometimes I worry that I'm, I'm telling you too much. And she went, no, mum. She said, because if you don't tell me, I'll think about it and go off on a tangent on myself and start thinking something different that might be a lot worse. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's about having, I mean, I'm very lucky with Isabel. She's like a 39-year-old, 10-year-old. So, she you know. Is. Yeah. <laughs> them conversations is a little bit easier easier with her but you know I've also got to kind of make sure that I'm protecting her as well and at the same time because you know I do worry what her as she gets older her perception of suicide and things like that and it's it's something you've got to kind of think of you know I don't want her thinking that that's an option or you know it's difficult kind of thinking you know how it's going to be when she's going through teenage angst and bad and hard times and things like that I don't want her to think, oh, well, that's that's what what, what I should do to kind of deal yeah. with hard times. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think the purpose of lots of podcasts and the way that people like yourself help reach out to others is that you are constantly always saying there is another choice. Yeah. There, yeah. there is not a straightaway solution, but, there, no. but you will always have another choice. And yeah. their life is always worth exploring the option 
Yeah, and I think as well, you know, the saying that I've that has literally got me through this past year is this too shall pass. And oh gosh, it, it is so true. There have been times when I've been in a dark place and you know I felt awful. Um I've never been suicidal. But I have felt that I didn't want to be here anymore. And there's a difference between me thinking, I'm going, you know, actively thinking what I would do to, to commit suicide or not. And but I have felt weary and I felt like I've not wanted to be here anymore. Or the pain was just so much that you just want an escapism. You want to kind of get away from that. Um, but then then it passes and then you do get through it. And then you look back and you're like, oh, my God, how did I do that? And how did I come through that but you do and you will and life changes and things happen and you know it's it's not always going to be doom and gloom and you will you will get through it so yeah this too shall pass is my absolute saying and yeah and it's true I love I'm here it. to tell a tale <laughs> definitely and I think that's a really great way to close our conversation Kirsty is that you really are beginning to come the other side anniversaries are hard like that aren't they and you will always have that well of grief that there's nothing that anyone can do or say that will take that away but you you've now got this tool belt a Kirsty tool belt of all those different skills (laughs) and tools that you can now use but you kind of know how to use them now some people can have a tool belt and not know anything to do with it yeah Um, yeah and and I know you love a tool belt and that's yeah that's just pings in my head thinking Ooh, a Kirsty tool belt. So I'm really, like <laughs> I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you very much, Kirsty, and we look forward to showcasing this podcast and everybody listening. Well, thank you so much for your time as well. I really appreciate it.